Hey guys, Stephen here from The Truth About Dyslexia. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the future of dyslexia and my predictions from what I've been learning over the last three or four years and what I'm seeing moving into the future. I think it's important for us to get a bit of a picture of this because it's going to affect how we work, how we live, how we raise our children and more. So let's dive into it. Okay, so let's dive in. The point about this episode was over the last however many hundred episodes I've I've pulled together, the short and sharp content, I have from time to time weighed in with the state of the general dyslexic world. What we know now, what we used to know, what was it like at school when I was there, what is it like now? Is it getting better? Is it not quite there? Our parents still having to do a lot of it themselves. And then in the adult space, you know, how are workplaces starting to accept neurodiversity or aren't they? Uh, what works for us? There's, there's a bunch of things we've weighed in on. And I think it's important to kind of, you know, look a little bit back at the past and then look at how is this, how we, how we dealing with it right now? And then how does that lead to what the future is going to look like? Because, uh, you know, one of the challenges with anyone with neurodiversity or dyslexia especially, we struggle to always balance time expectations. There are some things we'll go, hey, we can get that done in a month. And realistically, it's a six-month job to ever get it done, even if you had all your focus on it. And that's probably unlikely that we'll be able to focus that long on something, to be honest. Um, but one of the things I wanted to share today and, and why this came up was I went out for lunch with... Holly's family, and we were talking about schools. Um, they have three kids between the age of about seven and 11, and they were talking about how much it's changed. In New Zealand, everyone has like a mini computer, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people have mini computers or different tools that allow them to literally speak into their computer. It's spell and grammar check their work, and then they can hand in an assignment. And, you know, you can only imagine my little brain as, as they were talking about that. Um, we've got a five-year-old. She's not quite at computer level yet. Um, but she, um, you know, she's very, very, uh, a lot of attention challenges. But it could just be her being young and me overthinking it. You know how we work like that. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's got me thinking about how she's going to deal with school in the future. And how much, how much would you have loved if you're, if you're my age or older or even slightly younger, you know, I'm 36, you know, how amazing would it have been to be able to talk your ideas into a computer and it's spelling grammar check. Now, I don't think that's going to solve every kid's problems because you've then got to have enough attention to reread it and pull it, pull it together uh, into some sort of structure, which is the other challenge we have. So I don't think it'll solve every problem, but my gosh, it does solve some, right? <laughs> it definitely is a lot different to a pencil and a rubber trying to scribble things out. And that same technology has come through into our lives. Like I think I've mentioned before, you know, um, when I started out, I think I was in one of the first typing classes on a computer, not a typewriter. I'm not that old, but on a, on a computer. And I absolutely loved it. It's it it's kind of kept me, you know, somewhat sane. Got me through school being able to type so quickly. We didn't really have computers in classrooms at all at that point, but um, 
you know, if we did, gosh, that would have helped me as a kid. I was so quick at it. You know, my brain could operate it so much faster than it could writing, which was, I was very, very lucky. But all this, all this technology is changing the way things go. So we're sitting around lunch. We've just ordered some delicious foods because uh, we can go out over here in New Zealand pretty easily, which we're pretty lucky on. You know, I'm very, very blessed. But what made me think about this is I'm, I'm sitting there and we're talking about their kids as they grow up and get older. And there's a real possibility at least one of them is dyslexic, just watching them or, you know, being neurodiverse. It's a family trait, right? And so, you know, just watching them, it made me think that with all this new technology, one, how amazing is that for kids? Because it's going to really help the kids that would never get diagnosed normally. It's going to give them some hope to at least get some level of education. It's going to hopefully give them tools earlier so when they do leave school, they can go on to do, to do different things. You know, there's a bunch of benefits. But the other, the, the real scary thing I think about the future could be that people just get missed, right? That, that's a real worry, especially in this middle zone. And what am I talking about when I say middle zone? You know, if we're 2021, I think for the next 10 to 20 years, we're still in this kind of wild west of computers, AI, technology, where there is so much coming out and happening that's good, but there's also so much lag in the world. You know, I'm talking about schools in New Zealand where every kid at a certain certain decile has like one of these mini Google Chromebook computers. Now, I'm very aware that is not the whole world, right? It is not at that point. You know, it's a small percentage in the grand scheme of life. And so this lag of kind of catching up could be 20, 40 years. And as we just talked about with timelines, I'm probably understating it, right? I'm probably really understating it. But there's going to be this big period of lag where um, things get missed or swept under the carpet. So there may be a bunch of kids that go through because of this new technology, they kind of go beneath the radar, especially females, you know, dyslexia and ADHD especially is picked up in in men over women, oddly, boys over women, um, and, and kind of like if they kind of just get by, if they scrape by with a C or a D, or whatever the scoring regime is these days, that's how old I am, do they still use letters? Um, <laughs> funny I went to a C or a D, um, and they get by, they then, you know, are they actually going to be able to learn the stuff they need to learn about dyslexia that goes beyond reading and writing? You know, when they start going through the challenges of teenagehood, just hanging on with their their teeth, you know, I don't know about the rest of the world, but in New Zealand, we have a huge suicide problem. It's ridiculous. It's like we're one of the worst in the world, as far as I'm aware. It's really insanely crazy. Um, and, you know, but it's happening all around the world. And it's kind of like if there are a lot of people struggling with mental health challenges and they don't feel heard, understood, accepted, that there are people like them out there, that, you know, they're not a complete, you know, random, unique anomaly that's broken, they can't realize that, then there's a lot of problems, right? There's a lot of challenges. And I have a fear that what may be good may also sweep under the carpet a lot of the dyslexia. Now, there is hope. There is hope that... Um, 
newer technologies that are coming out are going to be able to diagnose it at an earlier age. You know, um, I'm, I did a, and this is again, this whole series is about me going back into the archives and thinking who I've spoken to and what would I, what would I look at again? I spoke to an amazing guy um, who created Distech. Hugo is his name. I don't know. I can't remember his last name, but Hugo was amazing. And they've built an AI app that helps diagnose dyslexia by comparing language of a kid with other kids that are dyslexic, non-dyslexic, different levels of, I don't exactly know how it works, but it's some some voodoo magic or, or similar that lives inside your phone. That's as far as I'm going to go from a technology point of view. I'm sure Hugo would... Uh, that he may give some more technical points, but the the concept being is the cheaper and more affordable kids can be diagnosed or at least screened, you know, the more kids are going to get screened, right? Because the hardest thing is to be told you may have dyslexia, go to a thousand dollar psychologist. It's challenging, right? It's not as easy. It's scary. You know, every parent has enough problems and challenges, <laughs> you know, and to take a stab in the dark at a very expensive thing you know it's really hard to do so a lot of people self-diagnose and there's challenges so i think ai is going to be very big in the future for dyslexia especially in the diagnosis realm um, i also think adhd is going to adhd has got to be one of those things which ai would be set up to diagnose very easily i think i've mentioned this in the past when i got diagnosed later with adhd it got missed when I was young, like like with so many, you know, things go under the radar or they all get put into one bucket when we're all a bucket of different neurodiversities. Um, and I just remember, I just remember going into this guy and I think it was a half an hour session. Gosh, it was quick. And he asked me some questions, you know, it was literally ticking boxes, right? He was ticking boxes. Um, and if enough boxes got ticked, you got a prescription. There wasn't a, there wasn't really much, you know, the prescription was purely what the doctor thought was best for your age range. Like I was sitting there going, this could be automated. This was, this was ridiculous, right? Like I kind of knew I was ADHD. I'd done the pre-research. Uh, he asked me a few different questions I hadn't considered or, or more questions that were in a different format. And I was like, ah, yeah. And like, and like by the end of it, he's like, sure. You know, if you want to try some drugs, here we go. You know, I was quite amazed at how easy it was to get that type of help, if I'm honest. Um, but again, it's something in the future that could be definitely diagnosed virtually on it. On a, like, you know, it, it kind of makes you think that they could actually put a bunch of ADHD specialist doctors online to actually do this type of um, diagnosis, not even in person, like what do they call it telehealth which is the future but i think adhd could definitely as long as it's managed correctly be something that could um could warrant it which hopefully will bring the pricing down which will make it more affordable for people to get diagnosed and and make the decision of of how they want to deal with it but i think it is important to know and so that ability to know in the next few years i think will get better but i'm really scared that there's going to be a bunch of kids missed in this kind of changing of the guard around the world over the next little while. I think COVID's actually sped a lot of it up with technology in the world, but it hasn't, it won't solve everything. So that's kind of what I feel, you know, about from a kid's perspective. I don't want to go too long on this episode, but, um, you know, from an adult's perspective, neurodiversity is going to be, I think, the next coming out of the, 
the closet kind of experience. You know, we've seen diversity, like gender equality. We've seen um, racial equality. We've seen sexual equality. Is you know the uh, LGBTQ, you know all of this equality is fantastic, and I'm pro equality. We're all even. We're all equal. No one's better than anyone else. Um, no, that's just the way of the world. That's it. No one is better than anyone else. Um, we are all humans. We're all flawed. We're all perfect. Um, we're all everything. All in, all at the same time, right? But I think neurodiversity seems to be the one that's kind of still still hiding a bit. You know, it's the one that I don't know of enough people identify with. I think it's it's had a bit of, you know, dyslexia has had quite a few advocates come out that are successful, which has been fantastic. And that's only been in the last 20 or odd years, um, which is brilliant. And I really like to see that. But it still feels very early. It feels like we're at the beginning of a wave. You know, every time we do something on adult dyslexia, we do a lot with self-esteem and confidence is our biggest focus at the moment. And we know how to kind of change that. Um, you know, what we're hearing from people that go through our courses are kind of saying, no one's doing this. Even even people I'm coaching and chatting to, that amazing um, podcast I put up the other day, you know, amazing human beings. And like, there's just no one doing this properly, Right. There's just not a lot of people and they're very sparse and it's like a army bunch of one-man bands running around in the ecosystem as of 2021. There's a heap of brands, not very well aligned, not a kind of group standard of anything. There's, it's a really strange world, right? And so I guess my prediction for the future for adults is that you're going to see a lot more coming together of the world organizations over the next 20 years. I can't see how it doesn't happen. I can't see why it wouldn't happen. Um, but I don't think it'll be quick. I think the wave is going to build for another 10 years before it really dives in. But I think neurodiversity will start to actually be known as a word. Um, and I just hope that companies lead the charge. Um, at some point, governments maybe, but you know, we know how slow they can be to react. They're already dealing with enough stuff. They really probably don't want another, another kind of <laughs> quality battle. They're probably not in a rush for it. At least, um, they give them a couple of years off with everything else that's going on in the world. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I wanted to share. That's what I was thinking about. It might just be something worth thinking about for yourself. What was it like as a kid? It was probably not great. You know, how is it for people of kids of that age where you are? Is it better in some ways? What ways? Because we sometimes can be really damning, I think, of of how far we've come. Like I think in 30 years, we've come a long way. We're nowhere near as bad as we were. Dyslexia is accepted even in the USA, all around now at least. It's a huge step. It wasn't for many years. Um, New Zealand as well. It was 15 years ago it came became like official as a, as a real thing that the government you know, noticed. So we're, we're talking, it's very young, the, the actual changes in the world and the acceptance and the awareness. So I think we've got a lot more awareness to do. And, you know, it's probably a good time now to shout out to everyone who supports the podcast on Patreon. Like I'm such a, I'm so thankful of that. You know, it's a small $10 a month donation. Uh, it makes a massive difference to us. Um, you get access to, I think we've got about 30 different videos up there as well, different content we've done over the years that we haven't, some of it's released, some of it's not released. Um, yeah, so thank you guys. Uh, if anyone does want to subscribe to that, it's just truthaboutdyslexia.com. You'll find it in the menu. 
Um, we really appreciate it. Um, really helps us. Small things like that. We chuck a few dollars on a Facebook post that goes semi-viral with that money, really. And it goes to, you know, gets in front of 5,000 people. You know, my thinking is if five or six of them really dig into it, you know, what they can learn about themselves through the podcast and other places can really change their lives. So that's the goal behind it. So hopefully this podcast has been interesting. It's been an odd one, gone through a bit of an interesting journey. Um, as of next week, I'll be, I have a, I actually have a guest. I haven't had a guest for a while. It's a, a very successful uh, gentleman will be on. I can't say his name yet, but I will say his name next week. Uh, it's exciting. So uh, stay tuned guys and have an epic weekend. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast so far and you want to give us a like and a subscribe, we'd really appreciate it. All reviews are really, really loved by us because it helps get the podcast out to more adults with dyslexia that are struggling. Also, check out truthaboutdyslexia.com. You'll find our little quiz, a fantastic 20 things to know if you love someone with dyslexia, and also our fantastic Facebook group called the Truth About Dyslexia Support Group, helping adults just like you. We're up to 2,200 members and growing. Have an epic rest of your day.